The K.J. Wright Show. On Seattle Sports. The ball is intercepted. K.J. Wright reaches up about 13 feet in the air. Number 15. Now every Wednesday with Rock and Song. Hey, I like that. Brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. Oh, K.J.'s in the building. What were you yelling about back there? Hold on. My check, my check, my check. There we go. I was saying I don't want to come on. I was just kidding, though. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm just messing around. You're in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood this yeah, morning. Poor really K- KJ's in a bad It's the first time I've ever seen him in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood, but I won't let that affect these Can viewers. Can we tell people why? Go ahead, Sog. Be, be my guest. <laughs> well, it's a brutal reason and something that's happened to everybody in this yes, industry. Um, KJ. You know, I have, I have my own podcast, KJ All Day, and I recorded yesterday, and the audio was muffled. Mm. That hurt my heart. Oh. It hurt me to my core. Right. Oh. And so it happens, but um, you know I'm a perfectionist. Okay, I want greatness. Okay, but um, this too shall so you, pass. You're not gonna you're not gonna send it out with bad audio. I'm gonna still send it out. Oh, you are, but it won't. Be I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't send it out. I mean, your standards your standard. Why would you send something out that you know is not to your standard? I know, Brock. Hey, but you can, if you listen really closely, you can hear it. Okay. Okay. So, so we're going like, to let them know. They're going to hold time. the headphones over their Blood, ears a turn up your, Crank up your thing to 60. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's change the subject. Man. All right. Yeah, well, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about the Seahawks. Then, no, no, no. Pretty, oh, what? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to oh. be you right now. Yeah, please do. If you guys haven't checked it out, Season of Boom is out right now. Episode one through three. It's our 10-year reunion. Maddie. Over that, the Seahawks did a phenomenal job capturing our stories, capturing our personalities. 2013 football season is in full effect. Go to YouTube right now and check it out. All I'm right. so excited. So the big debut was last night, right? Didn't I see pictures of you at the debut? Yep. it was Looking my, sharp. It's myself. G didn't like my shoes. Uh, <laughs> it was myself, Cliff Averill, Doug Baldwin, and Jermaine Curse, along with John Schneider. Oh, he was wow. there as well. All right. And so, how'd it go? It was, it was a big panel, and Steve Rabel took us down memory lane. There was some tears shed. Who um, shed tears? Oh, I can't get that away. You? No, I'm not, I didn't cry yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't cry yesterday. Okay. But uh, there was some tears shed, a lot of laughter. Was it, was it Rabes? Steve didn't cry. Steve didn't cry. Mm-mm. You know what Steve's really good at is emceeing events. Steve mm-hmm. is great at a lot of things, obviously. I mean, Rabes is the best. Fantastic yeah. for all of the years on Cairo and, of course, doing Seahawks games and as a player. I mean, like, he's such a multi-talented dude. Yeah. I don't know whether he has a better <laughs> skill than emceeing events. He's unbelievable at it. He knows how to bring out the best yes. when he asks questions. And um, we just watched episode one together. And, yes, yeah, Steve just took us down memory lane. And so we watched behind-the-scenes videos, um, obviously the games when we lost to the Falcons in 2012, how that propelled us to our 2013 season. And so um, it was a really good time last night. Hmm. Yep. Well, it wasn't quite the 2012 and it was Super Bowl, but after week one with the Seahawks, KJ, in the brutal second half, to rebound and bounce back and find a way to win in Detroit. Sum it up for me. I was, I'm going to be honest, I was nervous going into the game. <laughs> I was like, going on the road, facing a really good Detroit Lions football team. The performance we had last week in the second half, I was like, okay, we got to get this thing turned around. And first drive of the game, drove it down there. DK with a phenomenal catch. Um, Kenneth Walker punched it in, going back and forth. Um, three turnovers by my defense. Um, stopping those guys on fourth down. Clint Hurt, you know, dialing up Trey Brown for the sack. And Jordan Brooks shooting in there on their fourth and one to, to you know, make um, golf scramble. And then that drive by Geno in overtime. It was just a beautiful game and just really a testament to Coach Carroll. Like, hey, man, we saw the text line last week. People were upset. 
People was questioning him, questioning his philosophy, and rightfully so. They saw last week versus the Rams, that wasn't good enough. But he got this thing figured out. He got things turned around, really found a way to bring out the best in these guys, formulate a really good game plan on offense and defense. And so hats off to them getting that big-time win. How about you, you mentioned the defense there. How about Clint Hurd, who, who's also another guy that we've spent some time kind of wondering about, I guess, because you're in year, year two now. What did you make of their defensive game plan? Some of the tweaks they made. What was better this week? They brought out the excuse me. They brought out the bare front. I don't know if you guys saw that, but they brought out the bare front. I said they go keep it in their back pocket. It's gonna come out when they need it. And when the the Lions getting in like twenty one personnel, twelve personnel, we saw their nose and two threes. And Mario Addison, you turn on the tape, Edwards. that man. Oh, sorry, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's right. Brock called him Mario Williams. You called him Mario Addison. This poor guy. Who was Mario Addison? What I don't even know who that is. He was a D end. He was a D end, I he believe. Was? Or he was a receiver. There was a I Jordan. Was a, there was a Jordan a Addison. Teammate of uh, KJ's back. Jordan in the Addison branch. was a receiver. There, I think, was an Addison. Uh, Mario Addison end, was yeah. a defensive end. Played for go. the Bears, Colts. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's him. Uh, Washington, yep. Panthers, Bills, and yeah. Texas. Whoa. Mario Edwards He's played for more teams than Mario Edwards, which is impressive. I thought that was the same guy. <laughs> Okay, this is Mario Edwards, not Addison. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think we found us a guy. He made some plays. <laughs> Y'all are crazy, man. He made some plays. But how about Coach Hurt, right? Um, Call Trey Brown on that cornerback blitz. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about it. I challenge Coach Hurt on this all the time. Coach Hurt, mm-hmm. throw some curveballs. Give me something. Give me a Mariano Rivera. Give me something to where you get these guys confused. And you saw when he blitzed Trey Brown, a guy was wide open. Right, um, the running back was wide open, but when yep. you blitz, when you do throw a quarterback off balance, stuff like that does happen, and you get the sack, got the interception the next play, and um, I loved, I love what he did as well. Thirty-one okay. points is is still not good. Got to get better at that, but I like what Coach Herb brought to the Okay, you got to settle debate here, KJ. That's true. Yeah, I, I heard from all sides. I, I've had friends texting me. I'm sure the the text line is is a bit divided. Some making the case for Daryl Taylor. Well, Jared Goff is still in a passing posture, so it doesn't matter that it's one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and I'll just jack him up and hit him in the back. Um, others have said, ah, I can't do it. That's just kind of dirty, kind of cheap, kind of not even close. Where does KJ fall in this <laughs> Taylor shot on and, and before you answer, I should let people know that Justin came around to my side last night. So I was not on an island. Justin surprise, texted me surprise. last night. Surprise, surprise. I watched the video Justin came around to Salk's side. Uh, I watched the Zapruder film and decided that I think Salk's right on this. Listen, I've been playing organized football since <laughs> yeah, I was Yeah, I trust in, KJ. I've been playing defensive organized football since <laughs> I was in the sixth grade. Sixth grade. And I know... When someone has the ball or when someone does not have the ball, you telling me you're running one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. You can see, it, like, this guy doesn't have the ball. You can see his hands. You can see his body. He's not in a position where I'm going to look downfield and throw the ball. Thank you. So to recap, Brock and I have KJ Wright, mm-hmm. former NFL linebacker mm-hmm. on our side, and yeah. you have Justin Barnes. <laughs> who we love, but I don't know what his credentials are to judge this. Well, here's my question, then. If, if, I could, if I could cross-examine the witness for a moment, then why did he get up and celebrate the sack? That's an even bigger problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, well, hold on. That's an even bigger problem. But doesn't it show that he thought the dude had the ball? You I mean, he, he made a mistake. He didn't do something dirty. You know what? He did think he had the ball. <laughs> He did think he had the ball, and 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 why he thought that 
Mara is beyond me. But that's a problem, right? Is beyond me. I didn't say it wasn't a problem. I just (laughs) said it wasn't dirty. That, hey, what are you going to do? He thought the guy had the ball. So why should they call that a penalty? Not his fault. (laughs) Being stupid isn't a a penalty. I mean, what is he going to do? That's not his fault. No one shouldn't have called it. I think it's a bad call. KJ, does Daryl have some young Bruce Irvin in him? No. No. (laughs) No. Nope, 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 nope. He has. I, I, I want to. I want to be respectful when I say this. You, <laughs> let me be. Let me word myself properly. Please do. You gotta find. I'm not gonna say anything crazy. No, he he shouldn't have made that play. The quarterback didn't have the ball. You was running for three seconds, and you see that. <laughs> hey, bro, that was a bad play. The, I was glad the referees called a penalty. Was you got to protect the quarterback. It wasn't as bad a call as the intentional grounding call on Gino. That's honestly one of the worst calls I've ever yeah. seen. That was my favorite moment of the game. Because of the response? Oh, my God. That was my favorite moment of the game. You dropped back. He thought Tyler was running a goal ball. Ref, clearly, he wasn't being pressured. He wasn't going to get sacked. He thought he was running a goal ball. Bad call. Yes. But the response after that, he's screaming at him. The referee embarrassed him in front of the whole nation's hand. I'm talking to America. I'm talking to America. Perfect uh, response by him. But the very next play. Hey, you know, Coach Carroll last year with Gino. Gino. <clears throat> Calm down, Wusa. Coach Carroll was going crazy as well. I saw some some cuss words as well. But the very next play, he scrambled, dropped back, got um, 15, 16 yards. Mm-hmm. Way to respond. And then on the next play, had another scramble for a first down that got called back because the guys didn't line up right. Yep. And then he had to throw a third and 10 to lock it just to you know finish up the drive. It was pretty awesome. And we scored a touchdown, did. right? Yeah. And so um, hands down, my favorite moment <laughs> on the road, hostile environment. You feel like the referees are against you. Crowd is obviously against you. You're playing a high-flying team, but you just simply find a way. You battle the penalties and just find a way to get it done. So. Text message, uh, maybe Taylor closes his eyes when he rushes the passer to you know really <laughs> focus all of his energy, like uh, like something out of Kill Bill or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's a possibility. All right, okay, more with KJ. We still have another 50 minutes with the man. I'm going to ask you about a day of the week that I don't think I've ever asked another player about in my life. It's next. I'm Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our roll along with KJ Wright as we do every Wednesday for the 8 o'clock hour. And because Seahawks are home this weekend, we got your chance to win a couple of tickets to go see the Hawks hosting the Panthers this Sunday at Lumen Field. The Seahawks are back at home and they'll be celebrating the 10th anniversary of their historic Super Bowl 48 win. Were you there for that? Yeah, there. I think you were. I think, yeah. If I remember correctly, you were part of that team, right? Yeah, so okay, the big celebration this weekend. Uh, you can find tickets at Seahawks.com. Uh, we'll do what we always do, which is at 8.30, we will uh, ask a question based on something KJ has said in the first half hour here. And if you can be the right person to answer it, you will win the pair of tickets. So make sure you're listening very carefully to KJ uh, along the way here. So, all right, KJ. Talk to me. Talk to me about Saturday nights. It's not something I've spent a lot of time thinking about when we think about, you know, practice week and getting ready for a game on Sunday, walkthroughs, et cetera. But in talking to Pete this week, he was pretty adamant that the game did not go the way he wanted it to in mm-hmm. week one and that they really needed a big bounce back in week two. And when we followed up, I said, hey, Pete, you sound like maybe that week one game was even worse than maybe we thought. And he said, yeah. That was distinctly different than I had anticipated. What I anticipated 
is what happened yesterday from these guys. And I went too far last week. I'll just say I went too far last week in in living it up at the end of at the very end of the week. And it just changed. It was so we were so freaking crazed going into the opener and and had so much fun with the buildup of it. I just feel like I went too far. Mm-hmm. And and it just did, we didn't capture the essence of playing great football and it showed in the second half, you know. And uh, so yeah, I was really pissed at myself <laughs> the whole week and and uh, I thought that I could have done way better. But the, at the other end of the spectrum, I'm thrilled about what we just did. So he kind of goes on from there and we'll get to the Bobby element yeah. of it, but what does Pete mean when he says they were too crazed and <laughs> he went too far? Well, let's just say this. I've been a part of a few meetings where he's gotten very, very crazy and taking it very, very far. And for a man of his age to be able to do a cartwheel, I I was like, oh, coach, stop it. This man, he can get wild. He can you get, s- hold on. He he, he, he can get wild. I wouldn't say a cartwheel. I wouldn't say a cartwheel. A, more of a round off back handspring. More, more like a um, what's a, a girl? somersault. More like a Gabby Douglas. Uh, <laughs> like he did a flip. Of this, uh, yeah. What did I, he do? He did a somersault. He didn't do a somersault. But do it I've in the studio. Try to show what he did. Straight. Let's see it. <laughs> I can't do it. There's There's no no room I got back here. He's gonna break something. But I've seen him hit some um, chalkboards. I've seen this man. You know, obviously, you know. Run to wall. I've seen him do some stuff to really get guys juiced up, pumped up, to really get everybody excited. The man is, what, 70 years old? Yeah, 72. Two. You would think he's 24 years old <laughs> in some of those meetings. Like, the way he gets guys juiced up in the scene where we go Saturday night, it's tight. It's intimate. It's where, where, where does he do that? Is it at the is it the VMAC or is it somewhere else? Well, I don't want I don't want fans That's popping up. But, it, but yeah. I mean, yeah. but it's, it's not it's, at the VMAC. It's, it's not at a hotel. It's, it's, or it's something at a like hotel. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's small at the bottom room, quiet, and um, it's just us. It's really tight. And what Coach Carroll does is I I, I know what's coming. I know what type of meeting is coming based on who, based on who we're playing. If it's a prime time game, I know he's I know the message about not getting too big. Focus on this. Sometimes we bring up a piano. We have a guy say, I'm like, Coach, a piano? It's always on an away game. It's always going to be an away game. Primetime game. Away game, primetime game. A piano is just sitting in the middle of of the team meeting room, and he's, he has this demonstration. Because he doesn't want you to be too hyped for it, mm-hmm. to kind of stay calm yeah. and within yourself. Yeah, so he bring a piano, he bring out a chair, you know, stand up on this. And so he really wants you to focus on, guys, this is another opportunity, another championship game. Don't let the stakes get too high. Don't let it get too low. And you and I do believe when he said what he said, uh, the team meeting on the Saturday night before the Rams game, he probably, you know, Took the approach, like, let's come out here fired up, let's come out here crazy, versus let's get our minds right, guys. Mm. This is a ball game. This is the first opener. Let me set the scene and set the tone for what I want this thing to look like. So can you get so hyped on Saturday night that you don't have enough left in the tank on Sunday? Nah, yeah. You want me, Brock? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. And I, and I know the cynic out there on that text toy saying the same thing. Like, hold on a second. They did go to bed. They did have to wake <laughs> up. They did play a pretty good first half. Yeah. So you're telling me by the second half, but all yeah, the energy. We heard from everyone. We heard from Gino. We heard from DK. We heard from all of them that their energy wasn't right for that game. Right. Well, here's the thing. With a, from a head coaching standpoint, what you what you got to do for the first game is you got to you got to communicate and really set the tone for what you want the season to look like. Obviously what you want this game to look like, but really use your words. Really, it's, it's like it's so mellow, it's so chill, but you're still juiced up at the same time. So it's yeah. that type of balance. It's not just 100. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Not for the first game. That's, that's, you save that for when it's like week 9, week 13, you feel like guys are down. That's when you come and just get excited. 
But week one, I want to paint the picture for what I want this thing to really look like. And so, yeah. go ahead, Rob. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as I said that, you and I kind of nod on agreement. I do think that there, I mean, he knows the room. He reads the room. He reads his players. I mean, DK was out of it. In that second half, he just snapped and lost his mind. And I'm sure maybe some of it's like, hey, you know, last night was crazy. Like, I'm supposed to be crazed, right, dog out here. And so I do think I'm not, I'm not dismissing it completely at all. I think there's something to it. And I will also trust Pete's judgment that he just didn't do what KJ just said, balance it. There's mm-hmm. got to be a balance. Can you remember a game, KJ, where you guys played over your decade there where it was somewhat similar? where it was just emotionally out of whack and out of balance? Brock, I got the perfect example. Do you know who David Goggins is? Do I know who David Goggins ex, is? Ex, are you ex, kidding ex, me? Stay hard, David Goggins. Oh. Are you Are you kidding me? <laughs> Broke the pull-up record, tore his hands apart. Run. Do I know David Goggins? Jesus. This man, <laughs> this man came and spoke to us. And when you talk about want to run my head through this wall right here, every guy was ready to do that. I don't I don't ask me which game it was, but when I tell you we came out, I don't know if it's a practice or a game. It may have been it may have been but we just went out there like some maniacs. I'm talking balls to the wall. I'm talking full speed. I'm talking just want to take each other's heads off. David Goggins had us so juiced up. We thought we was like some Navy SEALs. <laughs> we thought we were some real deal Navy SEALs. And so um, stuff like that happens. Yeah. And, but he also brought in another guy, Navy SEALs. He's chill. He's real strategic, real tactical guy. You know, completely different vibe. And that resonates in your spirit. You know, whoever you have come talking to your players, whoever mm-hmm. is speaking to those guys, that's what's going to be in their spirit. So David Goggin came and spoke to us one time. I don't know who we played, mm-hmm. but that next get, that next day, <laughs> we went all out. We went all out. And so right, um, we got to take a quick break. Um, I know, Brog, you still want to ask about Bobby and his speech. And, and then there's a whole bunch of guys to talk about specifically. Witherspoon, for one, and game that he had. And uh, Tyler Lockett, I got to ask you some questions about. Plus, I, I got I to gotta play you the sound. It's not from Seattle, but you know I got to play it for you to get your reaction. <laughs> so that's coming up here in the next half hour, plus your chance to win these tickets. So we'll have a question for you related to something KJ said already. I got the perfect question. Okay, KJ. Oh. Got the question. All right. Well, hold on. Let's uh, we'll go to break. You can tell us the question. We'll ask it when we come back. And someone's going to win a pair of tickets to go see the Seahawks and the Panthers. It's Brock and Salt, KJ Wright Show here in Seattle Sports on 710 SeattleSports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Are we going to give away some tickets or not? What do we think? Should we give away tickets? Let's do it. All right. What caller? Caller number seven. KJ loves caller seven. You're a big caller seven guy. I don't know why. No? Brock will tell you why. Why it's Lord's, like, that's the Lord's number right there. there. That's I God's number. Right See, there. I know that. After 14 years of working with Brock, uh-huh. I know exactly where he's going there. All right. <laughs> Seventh caller who can answer this question. Just, uh, what, 10, 15 minutes ago, KJ confused. Poor KJ. Yeah. Confused. Seahawks defensive tackle Mario Edwards with another player. Called him by a different name. 
You no have way to have I been listening that. very, very carefully. I did not do that. You did. It happened. <laughs> Who was the player that KJ misspoke and confused poor Mario Edwards with? If you have the answer, be the seventh caller at 866-979-3776. Call in 30 seconds, though, if you're listening on the stream. 60 seconds if you're listening on the radio. We've got to try to make this fair for everybody. And the uh, seventh caller, who uh, can name it correctly, will get uh, two tickets to go see the Seahawks host the Panthers this Sunday at Lumen Field. Game time? That? Yeah. Mm. I'll be there. Don't feel bad. I confused him, too, with Mario Williams. Yes. So I, I was but wrong. Mario Williams was the number one overall pick yeah, in the draft. Okay. I mean, I, like, I, I <laughs> that made a little more sense. No, that's okay. I never heard of the other guy. <laughs> uh, I got a question for you, KJ. Talk to him. I love this the other day. And, and I told a few of my former NFL buddies about it. And, and just to me, it just so resonated, especially as you said, when you came in here a half hour ago, you know, talking about that text toy and a week ago, Pete kind of lost his touch and Pete can't do this and Pete can't do that. Pete in the presser after the game on Sunday, you're a vulnerable guy. You're a transparent guy. Mm-hmm. So is the head coach. And I just, to, to me, there's so much conversation to be had. But here was Pete talking about the influence of a guy you know pretty darn well in the middle of this defense and the impact it had on this team this week. You know, uh, I'll tell you, until Bobby said something, I mean, I, I had not had the impact that I wanted to uh, Monday, Tuesday to get to Wednesday. And then Bobby called him up on Wednesday and just hit him right between the eyes. And uh, we just flipped Instantly, I mean, from the time he talked to him till we turned it around, it was over and done with, and we were on to this game, which is what we're supposed to do on Wednesday. I just didn't get it done. He got it done for us. So uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> how we figure it out, but uh, uh, that was a pivotal moment for us. For sure it was. And they all heard him and listened did exactly what he asked them to do, and uh, that's leadership. That is leadership. It's also leadership to be vulnerable and to be honest and transparent, as mm-hmm. Pete was saying, I didn't reach him. How many other NFL coaches in the history of the NFL would get on a Sunday press conference after a win like that and say something that real? Not too many. Not too many. That's why I love this dude. That's why he's done what he's done over, you know, 13 years. And um, for for Bobby, for example, I was asking people in the – I was doing some research. I was like, hey, how how Bobby doing? I was asking OTAs and training. I was like, how Bobby been? I was like, he's been quiet. Hmm. I was like, who? I was like, he's not doing the same thing. Good morning, everybody. We walked in the train. He's not doing that anymore? I was like, no way. And so I, what I love, I, I saw the video just like everyone. I saw the picture. I saw the veins popping out of his head. I saw him calling up the guys and really getting everyone on the same page. And, like, this is the direction that we're going to go. This is how we're going to practice. This is how we're going to play on Sunday. And I saw Bobby when Daryl Taylor um, – Thought mm-hmm. Jerkoff had the ball. He got in his face. He he was talking. He had his neck moving just like this, and he calmed everybody down. Mm. He took channel. He said, "Get back." So he is that dude. You are the All Pro. You are the future Hall of Famer. You are the Pro Bowler. You are the one to get everyone on the same page. And for Coach Carroll to give Bobby his his praises, for Bobby to take that responsibility <laughs> and do that for their football team. Perfect blend on a Wednesday what practice. A, what an interesting uh, dichotomy of these first two weeks we've got or juxtaposition between the two. Like, I, I got to say, we came in here last week and we we're like, man, week one, they didn't look good, nah, 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 whatever. But listening to everything that went and transpired in their building with Pete, with Bobby, their reaction, I, I just keep coming away thinking, man, it was a lot worse than we realized in week one. Pete, <laughs> from a mentality standpoint, maybe some of the, the X's and O's, they weren't in a good place at the beginning of last week. And this is why I get so upset and so frustrated when I see 
organizations hire certain head coaches, like you gotta hire leaders. First and foremost, you gotta hire leaders to run your football team. If you can call great plays, cool. If you can, um, you know, be a great office coordinator, that's fine as well. But you gotta lead grown men through 18 weeks. You gotta battle losses. You gotta battle losing streaks. You gotta battle egos. You gotta battle all this stuff. That's what you need when you want a phenomenal head coach. And that's what Coach Carroll has brought to the table since he was at USC. He's been doing this. He's been proving himself. Mm-hmm. And so if it, does, if it it is one week where you come out and you look sl- sorry, I get the frustration. But don't question the process. Don't question um, this resume. It's been proven. It's been stamped. And so I loved how he saw what they did wrong. Now make the proper adjustments. We I had a terrible Saturday meeting. I, I own that. You think the next Saturday meeting is going to be bad? You think my guys are going to come out in the second half and not finish a ball game? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> are you out of your mind that I've been preaching finishing since K.J. Wright got here? We're going to finish this ball game when we play the Detroit Lions some way, somehow. And so that's why I love this team. That's why I love this leadership. Hey, perfect. And I challenged them last week. I challenged them. I'm sure they heard me. <laughs> when you're on that, when you're on that sideline, wow. wow. when you're on that sideline, wow. Wow. wow! You get wow. over here on this side of the mic, right. and all of a sudden, look where the ego goes. <laughs> y'all not gonna stroke my ego. I'm gonna do it. I myself. mean, last week you called out God and the fans, so I don't know. There was. Let's hope not everybody heard you last week. You were. You had a lot of people that you were attacking. Maybe even uh, some deities. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Well, let me attack you. <laughs> Sorry, KJ. KJ, let me turn it around and attack you. Okay. I distracted you too from because the we've called you, you the prophet. We've given you so much honor. How right you have been so much. You came on these airwaves, this very show, and said Devin Witherspoon, nah, can't play a lot. Nah, mm. can't throw him in there. Nope, don't expect a lot out of him. Devin Witherspoon, two fourth down stops. Devin Witherspoon, first yeah. series of the game, ball bounced his way. What he corrals that, that big running back and takes him down. <laughs> Devin Witherspoon playing every snap of that game, playing his heart out, his guts out. What do you got to say for that, KJ? In all my years of being right, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> I, I, I did not see. When you said that Devin Witherspoon got to come out here and be the juice guy, in my mind, I'm like, he is not going to be the guy. He needs to just get through the ball game. But, boy, he came out there. He made his first tackle. He got up, started shaking his shoulders, started shimming. I'm like, okay, what's up with this dude? He came out there and made that big-time PBU on that, on that drag route by the receiver. Mm-hmm. Got a showboating. He brought, if you watch the TV copy, he shows some leadership skills as well. When everything was going crazy, he was calming guys down, like, everybody chill, everybody relax. That's what Devin Witherspoon did on Sunday in his NFL debut. And now you're going to add Jamal Adams back to it, maybe this week, maybe next week. But Pete, pretty excited about him going full full go this week at practice. What does that continue to do to this defense? It, It continues to make him better. When you have a Jamal Adams out there, a guy that's dynamic, a guy that is so hungry, so hungry to get out there on the football field and to just be healthy and to show himself, show his teammates, like, hey, I'm here, I'm ready to roll, I'm about to finish this season strong. He brings a new dynamic to the football team. I was trying to think, KJ, in 14 years, got a pretty good beat on Coach Pete and what he likes to do. Your era, it was it was pretty easy to follow. I mean, you guys did what you did at an unbelievably high level. There wasn't a lot of hijinks. There wasn't a lot of change of personnel. Y'all who were, you know, were who you were. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an intriguing player like Jamal. I don't know if if he's full go today and he gets through it and he's full go tomorrow and he gets through it and he feels great. Where does he play on Sunday? Ooh-wee. Brock, this is what they call a good problem. This is what they call a good problem. I got some guys. I got people that could play anywhere and everywhere. 
But where do I put them and yes. how much do I put them yes. out there? So you saw week one, right? They put Devin out there. They put the three linebackers out there, Bobby and Jordan, and Devin was kind of the nickel linebacker. Is, is, is that where Jamal is? Yes. And if I'm the coach, if I'm the defensive coordinator, you are only playing this package, this game. You're going to be our nickel guy. You're going to be our nickel linebacker. You're going to be right here. You're not playing base. You're not playing dime. When I call a nickel, you're on the football field playing this spot. So you know where you're going to be aligned. You know your blitz package. You know your drop coverage. We're going to keep everything as easy as possible, as simple as possible, and to make sure you move and groove accordingly, right? So I don't want you back there playing linebacker, then going back there playing deep safety or buzzing to the flats. You're going to be in this one spot the majority of the game. So you were with him, right? You, were you with him in 2020, mm-hmm. the year that he broke the record mm-hmm. for most sacks by a DB? You, mm-hmm. you said on the record last week you were not a great blitzer. That just wasn't – or, or edge rush. That just wasn't necessarily your thing. It mm-hmm. is his thing. So you watched it. You were right next to him many times as he's coming down and, and blitzing and, and doing those schemes and everything else. What makes him so elite in that way around the line of scrimmage to get home? It's pre-snap. For him, it's pre-snap. What he does pretty much every time he's out there, like he has this certain movement to him. Like he's always moving before the ball is snapped. He's standing up. Sometimes he's, he has his knee, his knees been sometimes he's straight-legged. So you don't know what he's doing, right? So his pre-snap is phenomenal. And the way he times the snap, <laughs> right, he just has this natural God-given instinct to where he knows when the ball is going to be snapped. And by the time that ball is, is snapped, he is screaming, beelining straight to the quarterback. And when he does encounter a blocker, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a running back, he just simply got. He just simply makes the guy miss. Would you say that Mike Bennett has that same God-given instinct, or or not? <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Where did this come from? <laughs> Brock, where did that come just from? Just because he's jumping off sides. I don't know. See, he gets he gets his salt and pepper beard. I know. KJ and he starts to. It's Jimmy Kimmel. He's been uh-huh. like Jimmy Kimmel. He wanted to be trying to be funny. Like, want to be funny. Trying to be funny like Jimmy. All right. Well, then let me ask you this because you <laughs> intimidated me a couple of weeks ago, right? When we uh, when we started playing some sound. Of uh, the coach Sean in Denver, Payton. Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. You got very upset with some of the things Sean Payton had to say, right? Did he say something else? Well, I thought I would play this for you because Sean was asked about some of the problems they were having in Denver getting the plays in on time and run before the clock ran out. And after the game, their second loss on Sunday, he said this. We're, we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean... That's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. We got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. So we need to take it to JV wristbands now again. Again, remember this was the issue last year. They couldn't get it in, and then Pete told us that Russ always hated wearing a wristband. So I guess that's my question: Is wearing a wristband a sign of weakness? I've, I've, I obviously didn't play quarterback. I He can get the play called microphone to his brain and spit it out. He can do that. Are you sure? He's done it his whole life. Well, but they, but hold on. I mean, he's um, done it his whole life. But I watched the Seahawks for many, many years with Russ under center consistently 
have problems getting to the line of scrimmage on time and having to either burn timeouts or take delay game penalties happened with what four different offensive coordinators here. It happened last year in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett to the point where the crowd had to count down the play clock at home to help them out. And now it's happening with Sean Payton. Say whatever you want about Sean Payton, but he is a legendary play caller who's never had this problem before. There's only one thing in common through all of those different iterations, and that's Russ. So you're telling me you were going to put a wristband on his left arm. Hey, play number seven. And he has to read the play to the guys and like and just let's go play some football. He's never this is your 12 from he's never done this. So we're going to take a guy that's been programmed for the past 12 years and do something he's never done before and think it's going to work. Hmm. No. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Brock, <laughs> please explain, Brock. No, no, no. I mean, I, I you're absolutely right. Like it's going to be uncomfortable. But you know what? After last season where he tried to do something that he hadn't done for 10 years, uh, we're going to try to, you know, Russ has been a, a play action, a move guy, a shot guy. And, you know, Russ is, Russ is going to build this offense, and he's going to try to be something he's not his whole career. We saw how that went. And we see the crossroads that he's at from a career standpoint, KJ. And, like, I, I was one to argue that if there is a guy, a play caller, to get back to doing what Russ does best, it's this guy. It's this guy, Sean Payton. And if you need to, not every play, but if you've got long verbiage plays – you got long check with me's. This isn't, you know, blue right F short, two jet flanker drive. I got that. Right. And we're talking about some of the. Ver- yeah. And I, I wouldn't even have words long. And didn't Brady wear a wristband? Didn't Peyton wear? I, the person I think I first remember wearing one is Troy Aikman. I mean, like. I don't see how that's yeah. JV. That's a bunch of Hall of Famers who are wearing wristbands. Like, it's not like they're asking him to do the college thing where after you call the huddle, you turn over and look at the coach <laughs> and, like, get the instructions. Like, oh, okay, thanks, coach. I got it. I'll throw to that receiver. I mean, like, they're just asking him to call the plays a little faster. Let me tell you something. Yeah. There's a thing called I, – I, I, there's a thing called – I don't want to say ego. I don't say ego, but players, we're, we're stuck in our ways. Mm. We're stuck in our ways. And you're going to tell me to do something that I've never done before? That is uncomfortable. That is, are you trying to do this in a live game? Bullets are flying. It's all about rhythm. Quarterbacks want to be in a rhythm. Get the play call, yeah. spit it out. Let me get to read my coverage, let me make my adjustments. It's just another mm-hmm. step that I have to do to be successful. I'm already struggling. Yeah, that's fair. Yep, that's no. fair. And I'll say this as you say that, they should have done this from day one. Yeah, if you're going to do this, don't wait till adversity. Well, yes. and that's sort of what Pete said: is they tried to do it here, and Russ was always very resistant to it. Remember, then Russ wore the wristband to the to the press conference to prove that he was. I mean, like what a bizarre to, situation. A Remember that conference. last year? He wore oh, yes. his freaking thing to the press conference to prove that he wasn't afraid to wear a wristband. Dude, the whole thing is weird. That it is really weird. That wasn't intentional, was it? Yes. A hundred percent. What do you mean it wasn't intentional? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. He accidentally wore his <laughs> wristband to, to the press conference? What? Okay, we're going we're gonna to get to something, okay? Usually this stuff always comes off the rails, but we're going to get to a few things here. Salk had a great question on his show notes. Mm. You know, not only is he growing out a beautiful salt and pepper beard, Thank he's you. still preparing like an animal, KJ. <laughs> and he wanted to ask you about a certain teammate because he tweeted, Salk tweeted on Sunday night sure. about a certain athlete that he called the most underappreciated athlete in the, in Mike Salk's history of life. Yeah, I couldn't come up who with anybody think, who has been more who do you underrated think he was, and underappreciated than this athlete. And football? Who do you think he was speaking to? Yep. Seahawk. Ooh. Um I'm I'm gonna think I'm gonna think offensive lineman. No. Dang. 
<laughs> you couldn't be farther off. Next wrong. Tyler Lockett. No. How could anybody be more underappreciated and under undersold than Lockett? I mean, I, nobody talks about this guy. I don't mean locally. I know sometimes we talk about him locally here, but nationally, he's never a conversation. He's not a pro bowler. He's not in a top 10 wide receiver conversation ever. And every year he just scores touchdowns, makes incredible plays, does things that you're not supposed to be able to do with that size. Why don't we talk about him more? Because what is he? Five, he's going for five years in a row with over a thousand yep. yards receiving. Yep. Five, yep. And, and when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm, when, I believe he's going to have Steve Largent's record. Well, and he's a good guy. He, he, he doesn't get himself in trouble off the field for sure. He mm-hmm. certainly doesn't get himself in trouble on the field. Mm-hmm. He's not a head case. He's not a receiver who's constantly diva demanding the ball or making it. Ch- I mean, like, well, what it, else it, could it, we possibly ask of Tyler well, Lockett? Well, let's look at the receivers that everyone loves. You got the CeeDee Lambs. Mr. Swag, I got the buyers, I got the got the red dress, you got the uh, Justin Jeffersons doing the gritty. You got all these guys. I'm, I'm, I, ta- I said this to Lockett when it comes to a um like a like a swag standpoint, but like you know stuff sales, stuff sales, you know personality sales, the way you dress sales, and so you got the old school. He's like a Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. old school. Just do your job, do your thing. But you look up, you break in the record books. That's who Tyler Lockett is. He's someone you can depend on. He's not high-flying. He's not going to talk a bunch of trash. He's going to simply do his job, get in the end zone, hand the ball to the referee like Barry Sanders, and go do his thing. And so that's why yeah, he's, he's well-appreciated. Yeah. He's well-appreciated. Yeah, a little bit of that Largent thing, too. I mean, Largent was kind of that way, uh, many of the things that you just said. And I think, unfortunately, you know, that, that perception of your look, right? I mean, what, do, are you 6'3"? Are you Justin Jefferson, jump out of the gym and make these highlight reel plays? Are you just a step faster than everybody on the field? Or, you know, do you just kind of look like an everyman on the street? We've seen those types. I mean, like, yes, you're right. All of those fancy, big, tall, and and swagged out receivers get a lot of Body, beautiful. DK, right? I mean, DK's going to get a lot more hype and pub. But so did Wes Welker. And so did... uh, uh, Like Edelman. Yeah, Julian Edelman and some of those other kind of third down crossing route little inside uh, slot receivers. And Tyler doesn't, I feel like, get even as much respect as them. No, it's it's, it's the marketing stuff. It's the Pro Bowls. It's the it's it's, it's honestly the outside appearance. Mm. And it's, it's the celebrations, the drawing the attention to myself. He's never been that type of dude. How good is he? Yeah. He's amazing. What is it that sets him apart? What makes him? Because Pete gave us a good answer. I'd be curious your answer, having been around him in practice. I personally believe, like, I personally believe it's, it's a consistency. I think it makes it sound cliche, but it, he makes the routine plays look routine. He makes the, the the bomb catches look like bomb catches. He just does the little things right on a high level, on a consistent basis. What did Coach, what did Here, coach Here's say? what Coach said. I thought this was really interesting. What Tyler is famous for in our world is him executing things exactly like he practices it. He, he, he masters what he's doing, how it fits for the, the uh, whatever the concept is. But he, it, it looks exactly like it's supposed to in the game. Usually there's a deterioration. You know, the guys don't quite get all the distance, or they don't quite get their feet exactly the way they want it. They turn a little earlier. He is not that guy. He will max out every detail of, of the concept that he's trying to execute, regardless of the situation, how deep into the game, or how, you know, how crucial it is. He's phenomenal. That's why, that's why I have so much respect for him, because he can do it exactly like he prepares it. And he did, he did it again. 
And even when it comes to practice, that's perfect. Even when it comes to practice, he doesn't get enough credit like the Earl Thomases, the Deshaun Sheds. He doesn't get enough credit amongst those guys with the type of way he practices. But when he steps on that football field, the man is just dialed into the details. He's always doing that toe drag that we saw. He's always catching jugs. Like he's just a pro's pro. That no one that no one talks about enough. So I love to do one of my favorite teammates of all time. This hour goes way too fast. I know it, goes, it goes way too fast because he wanted to talk about Carolina. So we got to give him his due. Carolina. We got other stuff we wanted. To, yes, KJ's like we better we better we, talk about these this, Panthers coming in here. This is you guys' hour. Like, what do y'all want to talk about? That's <laughs> well, well, I just have one other question about the past, but I, let's go Carolina. Yeah, I want to talk. Yeah, did you like playing at home? I loved it. Chenna Uchenna had a good little conversation yesterday. Was it Bump and Stacy or, or Wyman, um, Wyman and Bob? And he was saying, you know, one of the things at home is it's harder to communicate. You don't hear the, the lineman calls, right, of the opponent. Trying to, you know, get to the passer sometimes is actually easier on the road. And I was like, really? <laughs> I mean, I would think the noise would overwhelm that opponent and help you as much as maybe the negative trade-off of not hearing everything or, or you know, signaling everything to one another. How does that play off on Sunday? There's nothing like 70,000 people on your side. There's nothing like going to sleep, waking up, and you drive your own vehicle 20 minutes on I-90 to get to the stadium and put on that, that blue jersey, walking out that tunnel, going home to your wife to a home-cooked meal, watching some Sunday night football. There's, 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 nothing, there's nothing like that. So, um, so you're going to disagree with Chenna on this well, one. Well, one billion percent. I love you, Chenna, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But from a football-playing standpoint, you look at those D-line, you look at us at home, like the, the false starts that happen here – the way that the silent count is coming, you just literally just got to get off the rock. Mm. There's not going to be any hard counts because they can't hear. You know, on the road, they can hard count you. At home, they can't hard count you because they can't hear. Everything is quiet and yeah. silent. And so, um, you know, ex-Cliff Avery, he loved playing at home. That Brandon Meebang loved playing at home because he had that, that 12th man on your side. Mm-hmm. Well, that has been a full hour with KJ. I'm not even going to get to ask you about the locker room celebration. Which <laughs> Question, question, question. What? Mike Starr, do you know what walking your trap, take over your trap means? Of course I do. I'm not going to ask you to explain. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you to explain. Of course I do. I'm not going to ask you to explain. Call me a square. How dare you? Why would you say such a thing? KJ, thank you. Justin, who won the tickets? Congratulations. Tyson and 360 is taking his wife to her first Seahawks game. Oh, that's awesome. Listen, Tyson, you are coming to the perfect game. They got me speaking at half. They got me speaking at halftime. What? I was like, you want me to speak? Yeah, of course they want you to speak. They heard you on this show. What? They know how good you are. That's somebody to get the fans pumped up, juiced up, 10-year reunion, all the guys in town. Get them going. I would have assumed they would have gone with the uh, MVP of that Super Bowl, right? Biggest name on the team. The guy won the MVP, right? Just stay tuned. You may see some stuff. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's the KJ Hour, man. Every Wednesday, if you miss even a second, go download it. What are you doing? Subscribe to that at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or just go to SeattleSports.com. KJ, we'll catch you next week. Thank you, man. Enjoy it. I'm glad you're in a better mood now. You seem a lot happier than you did an hour ago. Coming on here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.